That wasn't a response. Did you have a good Christmas? Yeah? Yeah? Get anything cool? Yeah? Yeah? Let's uh, start with a word of prayer before we dive in today. Father God, we, we thank you for today. Thank you that we can come and, and worship you, Lord. And that, you know, even just that, that last song, you know, you, you are more precious than silver or gold. You're more precious than, than anything that we can desire on this world. And you, through your son, have given the greatest gift that we can ever receive. Just salvation from you, God. That through that, we can enjoy you and get to know you day by day. And we thank you for that. Uh, lead us and guide us, Lord, in learning from your word today. And thank you. Thank you for today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Oh, did you get anything you're still enjoying is the question. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah? <laughs> At least the boxes are cool, right? Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, we uh, had a great time enjoying family uh, over in Denver, and it's just a great, a great blessing uh, to to just be there. And um, yeah, gifts were cool too, you know, and you get to unwrap those and enjoy those. But just the time together, and and then there's all the good food, right? Now, Jay, there's a love of mustard, right? Right? You know, I I found a smoked mustard this year. I, I did the whole, uh, what do you call them? Meat cheese board, charcuterie boards, right? I did that whole thing for the family and well, they got smoked mustard and that is amazing. So we still have some if you wanna try it. So it's, it's really good. You know, um, you know, as the holidays you know, are here, they, they now pass by, right? The year, the year goes on and right, right to the end, right? It is, it is now, I, I remember as a middle schooler, like it was September 9th on the 9th of 1999. That was so cool. 2002, or 2020 was like way far away. You know, the Star Trek, the next generation, right? <laughs> but now we're, we're here. We're at a new year, a new decade, you know, and we have, you know, all that we have been given and get to enjoy from last week and and now we look forward to a new year you know full of full of hope you know full of good times with with family and friends or maybe we don't look forward to what our circumstances will be this next year to come you know the challenges and changes that we have to face just don't sound fun but there is hope past our circumstances past the hurt and pain because we can put our faith and our, our trust in the one who has overcome the world. And that's, that's Jesus saying that in John 16, 33, I have overcome the world. You know, as we look back to this last year, we see hardships, we see good times and bad times, but we also see the Lord moving through it all, right? You know, he moves, you know, as a, as a culture, uh, we, we look forward to what we believe will be progress, you know, but, but the truth is that every year, you know, all those New Year's celebrations are cool and everything. Uh, London's is the coolest if you watch that one. They have a lot of cool things. But the truth 
is that brokenness and sin are a reality that we live in. But the truth of the fact that we hope in a sovereign Lord stands. And he works in a broken world. You know, so no matter what this year brings, what this, this year that we're leaving has left us with, and whatever this year brings, we can trust in the one who has formed creation, who has promised to deal with the problems at hand, who has literally stepped into history to deal with the problems at hand, and will one day entirely deal with the problems of sin, death, and hell. You know, they will be dealt with, you know, and are being dealt with by Jesus, our Messiah. As we you know, celebrated this last week, we, we understand and know that Jesus came into the world, right? You know, he was born a babe in Bethlehem. He came into this world not to rule and reign, not, not yet. No, he came humbly. He came not as the Lord of glory, as he is, but he actually clothed his glory. He took on flesh and, and lived here. He dwelt among us. How, how wonderful is that? You know, as we saw last week in the Gospel of Luke, in, in Luke chapter 2, it sets the scene before us. You know, the census needed to be taken. A prophecy is fulfilled and, and the birth takes place. And the king of kings is, is laid in a manger. Well, why? Why did this happen? Well, God willed it so. This is God's plan set forth by him to bring back fallen humanity to himself. You know, we hear a truth spoken in, in Luke chapter 2, verses 14. And let's, uh, let's turn there together. I'm Luke chapter 2, verses, uh, verse 14. The angels sing this, this, this host of heaven sings this. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now in this, in this verse, we, we see that God's intent is of sending his son is, is good will. Now God is, is seen through Jesus establishing a, a reputation of one of being benevolent, one of, one of interest to humanity to show humanity that he loves us. You know, and and you know, throughout all from Genesis to Revelation, he's showing us that, but we, we kind of forget that. <laughs> but he, he shows it evidently in his son. You know, these, these verses show us God's concern for all of humanity. He has a friendly disposition, uh, positioning <laughs> towards us. He has kindness towards us. You know, and this, this is how God comes to us. And, and John uh, 3.16 states it all. You know, let's, let's turn there together as well. 
you know, in, in the night conversation that Jesus and Nicodemus uh, have in John 3.16, he, you know, Jesus lays it out and says, this is, this is what God has sent me for. And in John 3.16, he says this, Jesus says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God loves the whole world, you know, and with an everlasting love. You know, agape love is actually the love seen there. You know, so he gave his only son to humanity. So whomever believes would not perish. You know, that's, that's God's desire. He, he came for us. God loves all of us, you know, no matter what we have done, no matter where we have been, his son has died in our place so that we would not perish. God draws humanity to himself by kindness. And we actually find that verse in uh, Romans 2, if you want to turn there with me. In Romans 2, 4. In Romans 2, 4, it shows how God comes towards humanity. And we read this, uh, Paul states this in Romans 2, 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and his forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? You know, Paul here is asking the Roman believers a question. You know, what, what is all this kindness about? You know, what, all, what is all this kindness from God? You know, is it just to, to take it, to use it as an excuse to keep on sinning? May it never be. It's not an excuse. We know that God's kindness is meant to draw us towards him, to, to, to him. It leads us to repentance you know, that we would change our, our mind and change our, our action in this life towards, towards God and towards, towards sin. You know, first by, by salvation, you know, trusting in Christ for redemption. And, and then secondly, in that Christian life, to walk in daily repentance, daily denying ourselves, daily picking up our cross and following him. You know, it's a, it's a call to be transformed by the very Spirit of God and be transformed by His Word. You know, this is God's call because it's, it's God's desire for, for all to come to Him. And we see that truth in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 4. Let's turn there together. It's hard to turn pages when your fingers are cold. <laughs> In First Timothy chapter two, verse verse four, you know, we see here that God's desire is for all of humanity to come to Him. You know, it says this: "Who desires all people to be saved." 
and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Yeah, this, this whole passage entirely, actually, uh, verses 1 uh, through, I think it's through 8, um, that you know, God is really telling believers, hey, pray. You know, get on your knees before the King of Heaven. Lift up all of these people so that they would come to the knowledge of me. The very knowledge of truth that through Jesus the Messiah alone they are saved. You know, this, is, this is God's unchanging desire in this, in this time, in this, in this time of, of, of God dealing with humanity. You know, and it is in this that we see God is long-suffering. He's actually waiting for, for us to repent. And we, we see that truth uh, better in Second Peter, Second uh, Peter chapter three, and let's turn there together. But in Second Peter chapter three, verses uh, three through nine, you know, here we see, you know, a, a world that mocks, um, but the the Lord waits. Peter says this, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with, with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, of these, the world that then existed was diluged with water and perished. But the same word, but by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You know, the scripture here embodies the fact that God is patient towards us. But again and again, humanity falls. Humanity follows its own desires. But God's desire is seen here. He doesn't want humanity to perish. So he waits. He wants all to come to him. You know, in, in verse 3, we, we hear this, knowing, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with, with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. You know, as, as a church community, we should, we should know this, that there will be people who just you know, look at the promises and look at the wonder of God, and they'll just think or say plainly, that's just, that's just plainly unbelievable. It's, it's just a fabrication. You know, they will not wonder and they will not reason. They merely cannot or, or won't take it in, so they go their own way. You know, they follow their own sinful desires. 
You know, this, this leads us to the doctrine of sin. You know, that apart from God, there is nothing good in humanity. You know, it's, it's a hard one to take in, but it's the truth. You know, this truth is that humanity is dead in its trespasses and sins. And that's Ephesians 2.5. You know, as we walk more into Second Peter in verses 4 through 6, you know, it, it points out that these scoffers will, will wonder, hey, why, God's, why isn't God here? Where's your promised one? You can hear them mocking. You know, but the truth is they overlook the facts, that the world has not been the same since the beginning. You know, Peter points out that the flood took place. Judgment has happened, and it is coming again. You know, Peter points out uh, in verses 7 through 9, you know, but now the, the creator, his, his very words are actually storing up fire for the ungodly, for wrath. You know, so don't, over, don't, don't overlook this because, hey, these guys overlooked that. You know, they overlooked the fact that the flood was coming and the flood came. You know, but in fact, our, our world overlooks the flood. Even our, our church communities overlook that fact that judgment came, that the flood actually happened. You know, God is not slow. The day will come. But God's desire is that none would face that wrath. So God is not slow on his promises. He's, he's long-suffering and patient towards us so that more would come to him and surrender to him and walk in his ways for, for his glory. So how? How do we stay on point with that? How do we do that? Does anyone like waiting? Who likes waiting at the dentist? When I thought of waiting, that's exactly where my mind went. I'm like, that's the worst type of waiting, right? It is the worst because you're like, you're going to tell me I have cavities. They're going to drill into my face and, you know, it's going to be fun, right? And Novocaine's the best, right? No? No one likes Novocaine? Okay. <laughs> you know, you got the old magazines. The, the one I went to as a kid had these old magazines that were just like ancient I'm like, Pharaoh or Moses should have gone through these. You know, it's like, where did you get this thing? Like, but, you know, you, you're ready for that dentist to tell you, hey, you got a couple problems here. So what do you do? Oh, man, you, you brush and you floss and you mouth wash. You're on mission, right? I don't want another one. <laughs> Two weeks later, you go, oh, I'm sitting there eating candy again, right? <laughs> oh. You know, the, the checkup informed us of the problem of, of hey, I, I got cavities, I, way too much Christmas. We still have Halloween candy, and now we have Christmas candy. I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> but we stay on mission there because the, the checkup informed us of our problem, informed us, hey, too much sugar, too much of this, stay away. On the same way, we need a spiritual checkup. We, we need to know, are, are we on point? You know, are we heading the right way spiritually? Are we doing what God wants us to do? You know, as, as we seek God's desire, well, it, it comes, a question comes, which is a great heart check question. Well, what is our desire? What do we desire? 
And, uh, and secondly, you know, if we're, if we're off base from what God desires, well, how, how do I get there? How do I go that way? You know, as we wrap up, you know, 2019, it's gone. You know, 2020 is on its way. As we wrap up a year, it's a good question to ask. As we, as we look inward, we can also look upward and see what our own view of God is. Now, A.W. Tozer says this in his book, A Knowledge of a Holy. And what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever have has ever risen above its religion and man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or base as the worship entails high or low thoughts of God. You know, Tozer says when it comes to our thoughts on God, it's the most important thing about us. How do we picture God? How do we picture his words? You know, how and how does it all work out in the end? You know, is life all about us or is life all about him? You know, is life about ourselves and all of creation or is it about God? You know, this... This subject matter is the, the issue of humanity, right? You know, and is, where's the great answering spot? Well, it's the word of God. Now let us turn to uh, Psalm chapter one together. On uh Psalm chapter 1 will actually read all, all six verses. And uh, it just starts right off. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. And he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drive away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinner in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You know, verse 1 blasts off. It starts it. Blessed is the person that doesn't do this, that doesn't listen to wrong counsel, that doesn't stand in the crowd, in this, in this wrong crowd, that doesn't fellowship with the mockers. You know, it brings out a question. You know, where do we sit? With whom do we stand? And what are you listening to? And for today's world, well, what, are, what are we watching, right? We're a very visual culture now. Well, what are we watching? Because as the psalm points out, all of this has great effect upon a person's life, upon their outlook on life, upon their outlook on God and his word. It affects our whole 
worldview, which is the, the lenses by which we take in all the events of the world. You know, it answers, our worldview answers questions like, where did we come from? Uh, why are we here? And, and what in the world is the matter with, with all of this? You know, how do we fix all of this? As, as Psalm uh, 1 marches on in Psalm uh, verses 2 through 3, Psalm 1, chapter, verses 2 through 3, it tells us to instead delight in the word of the Lord, delight in the word of God, delight in his law, it actually says, to, to see how, how we come to him. That's, that's how you know, the, the law is all about. How do we come to him? How, how is he going to deal with the problem? You know, it, it answers the why we come to him and why we actually need him because we are hopeless without God. That's, that's what the law tells us, right? <laughs> we're, we're stuck. And so we approach him day and night and we are planted and we prosper in his ways. You know, we, we make it in, in losing our own desires and in gaining his you know, because we are not we are not about our own ways. We're about his ways. We're about him. We're not about our flesh, which only leads to death. You know, verses uh, four through six really take us to those that mock. You know, those that scoff. They are about their own desires. They're actually you know, taken away, like chaff is taken away by the wind. Now, psalm 1 is a great psalm because it asks us the question, what do you want? Where do you want to end up is that, is that final question. You know, do you, you want to end up like these people or those people? You know, it's a great question because it, in us all, as sinners, our desire is our own way in our own flesh to drive ourselves away from God and his plans but by grace, through Christ, we can be planted. We can be molded and shaped by God. Or we can rebel and be about our own selves and be caught up by our own desires. You know, the choice is, is ours. It's before us. As, as Peter pointed out, and as Psalm 1 points out, judgment is coming. You know, true judgment, judgment from a good, perfect, and pure, and righteous, and holy judge. You know, this will, will end this, this period of time as the church age. It will bring about his kingdom. You know, judgment day will be the separation of those two. Judgment day will come. You know, the end is near, signs aren't far off, right? You know, it's It's coming. But let us not overlook the fact that God is drawing all to him with kindness. You know, when we hear of the end, uh, many people well, used to talk about nuclear holocaust. Um, now it's all about zombies or global warming, right? You know, one's going to get us. Right? But the end will actually be a new chapter of God's unchanging character and glory. Uh, let us turn together to Revelation 21, uh, and we'll read verses 1 through 5. And that one's easy because it's right at the end. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you 
But right here we, we see that it's this is this is what it's truly going to look like at the end. In Revelation 21 uh, verses 1 through 5 it says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Now this is the hope that we hold to, you know, that one day we in Christ will dwell with God. We will have a new dwelling place, a new heavens and a new earth, a restored creation, a new city. And God will be with us, just like in the garden. And all of our struggles, all of our, our pains, our hurts, our tears will be wiped away. You know, the things that we deal with now will pass away, even death itself. God is the one making all things new. You know, our, our culture takes the end of days and says, hey, it's going to be bad. We're going to, we're going to see this. These things are going to happen. Now, that's true. It will get bad. The you know, book of Revelation states that. A great tribulation will come, but then this will come. The new heavens and the new earth where man and God will dwell together. As, as we you know, come to the end of a year, I've really been you know, thinking and praying and, and even you know, planning on you know, how, how as a church can we go forward? How can we, how can we love on the community? How can we love on those that, that we know? Because the, the end matters, right? The end matters. You know, the journey matters. The, the opportunities before us matter in this new year. You know, because we have the, the breath of life and we have salvation in our souls by Christ. You know, what we see before us in, in all of this is that God has good will towards all of mankind. Because Christ has come for us. He has taken our place upon the cross and he has given to those that believe upon him his righteousness. He has imputed that upon us and we see that it is indeed God's desire for all all to come to him he draws everyone towards himself through the person and work of Christ through his spirit being here on earth always working and therefore the truth is before us now do we go on our own way or do we walk in the path that he has set before us. You know, are we, as Psalm 1 
says, are we going to be planted or are we going to be blown away? You know, do we want to know what we stand for and stand in or do we want to be taken away by the wind of culture and judgment? You know, this, this means, all of this means that we can, we can know what God desires and we can walk in his ways and, and be either about his way and will or our own desires. We can either be about him and his word or about our own way. You know, where, where do we sit? With whom do we stand and, and whom do we listen to? You know, so do we take his words to heart is, the, is another question. You know, as it says in Revelation, these words are trustworthy and true. Now, yes, they are in every part. Do we, do we take them as such? Do we take them as that? Or do we, you know, thinkingly or, or mockingly say that they're mere words? Because they're not. They're not mere words. They are the words of God that we can base our lives upon. And we see how the word of God greatly matters to our faith. Because if they are mere words to us, then yeah, we can be tossed back and forth in the wind of culture. But if they are the words of the Lord and he has spoken, then we can stand upon them and we can learn from him and we can speak of him by them. We can tell others, this is God. He has revealed himself. He has shown himself to us. It's not, it's not guesswork. It's still work, right? It's still work in getting to know him and spending time with him. It means you know, learning his word, studying his word and, and applying it. Now let's turn to Second Timothy chapter chapter three together. Now in Second Timothy chapter three verses sixteen verses sixteen and seventeen you really tell us, you know, this is the word of God. You know, this is what the word of God is. It says this, all scripture is breathed out by God <coughs> and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for the training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, all of the Bible, the scriptures, are breathed out by God. Now, yes, man wrote it, and we see their personalities throughout the texts, but there is an author that brings it all together. And that's God Almighty. He has spoken here, and he has told us what we should know. He, he teaches us. He tells us what is wrong. So he reproofs us and corrects us. He even deals with things that we as humanity don't even want to talk about, but it needs to come to light because it is for our best. You know, and he trains us up. God doesn't want us to stay the same. You know, Christ has rescued and redeemed us out of sin, not to give us a pass to do more of it, but to walk in holiness. So it is a training of righteousness to walk closer with God, to not walk in the flesh, but to walk in the spirit. That we would be complete in him, 
ready for good work. You know, in Christ, we're actually his workmanship, right? And that's Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship. And we have so much. And we have, in fact, all that we need to live life towards and to God in the scripture and in the spirit. And for he has made himself known by his word. You know, let us turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 20 and 21. Tell us more of this truth. In 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Now we, we see that the Bible is not the mere words of man, but the words of God. And Peter says this, knowing this first of all. I like how Peter says that, you know, in different sections. First of all, we need to know this. We need to know that. He's very imperative. Hey, first of all, there's a lot of first of alls. Um, you know, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now this is the first thing we should know, that the scripture is not from someone's own interpretation, someone's own thought. Hey, let's, let's write a book, you know. No, the real scripture, the real promises and prophecies and words of God are not from the will of man because man can't know these things. The biblical texts are God speaking. You know, God moved men as the wind fills a sail on a ship. God carried them along to write these words. And the church recognizes that and sees that God has spoken here. So, so how do we apply all of this? Or, or better yet, why? Why do we apply all of this? Why? Why? You know, we know that God has good will towards us. God has good will towards us and we understand his desires. We've, we've seen them, that God, God desires all people to come to him. And we may even now understand our own desires. So why? Why invest in, in a book? Why study and read and, and buy really heavy study tools that you gotta pack around with you or, or you can get the free ones online there? They weigh less. Because as a new year approaches, we see a God who loves us and loves all of humanity, and he wants us to know what is best of all, and that's him. So we go to the word. We read the word, and we understand the word, and we apply the parts that we know. You know, it's hard, it's work, and it, and it takes time. But where do we want to be a year from now? That's a good question. You know, Psalm 1 says, you know, do we want to be planted or tossed by the wind? You know, the Bible is where we, where we start and stay in this journey because it's the only thing that can truly speak to us and cut to the heart of the matters that we must deal with and overcome alone in Christ. You know, let us... Uh, turn to Hebrews uh, chapter 4. You 
in Hebrews chapter 4, verses uh, 12 and 13. Now here we see why, you know, why we come to the word of God. Now it says this, and for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit of the joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now, the Bible is not some classical book. It's not some ancient text. It's not something you, you do for light reading. It, it is alive. It is sharp. And it pierces us. Now, through it, we are exposed. <laughs> Sinner, we're exposed. Our desires are full of death. Our flesh wants those things, yearns for those things. And we see that it is God whom we are accountable to. You know, that is the truth of the Bible, that it is God's spoken out word that all of humanity would know him and, and know that salvation is found in Christ Jesus alone. And we, in Christ, have been given so much. You know, do we invest in it? You know, as we invest in a house or invest in stock or invest in our education or invest in all those toys that we were given last week or the cool nifty gadgets, we spend time with those, right? We spend time playing with them and enjoying them. Now, do we spend time in the Word of God? You know, in, in building our faith, in, in checking on ourselves. You know, we have been given a greater gift than anything we will ever receive on earth. And that's God has given His Son for salvation, God has revealed Himself through His Word. And he has sealed us in Christ by his spirit so we can walk. We can walk with him in this life. And so in our day and day, day to day, <laughs> in our day to day, we can go forward. We can invest in what God desires and what God wants. Now, as we celebrate the end of one year and, and come to another, we can we can see that God has something for us all. He's handing a gift of goodwill to all of humanity to come to him, to be redeemed, to walk with him daily, and to know that the end will come. You know, the end will come. And where will we end up? Where will our friends, our, our family members, our coworkers, those people we pass by on the streets end up? You know, C.S. Lewis says it best. He says this, There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. You know, the statement is clear. We will all end up somewhere. And I hope and pray you, you have a happy new year and that you had a happy Christmas or Merry Christmas. That you know, it, it, was, it was a good day. It was a good, a good week. But as we go on in this year, let us take time to, to study his word, to learn from his word, and, and to, to apply it. 
to go forward in life. Now, there's a great many resources. You can get the big old books if you really want them. They're, they're cool. They make the office look awesome. Or you can get the ones that weigh next to nothing, and they're free. They, they're on your iPad you know, or iPhone or at your computer at home, and you can, you can have all those resources for free. So uh, let's, let's pray. Um, Father God, we, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word and for the desire that you, you want all of us to come to repentance. You want all of us to come to you, God, and that we would deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow you, that we would have that desire as well, that we would delight ourselves in you and you would give us the desires of our heart as our hearts are changed by you and that as we learn to to be found in you Jesus to walk in your righteous ways and to to be about your will and way in this world as we celebrate this last year as we as we prepare for a new one that we would go forward uh, seeking seeking your will and being about your desires, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.